0: I'm not going to accuse Randy of playing favorites, but I do not believe he led singing at the baptism of my daughters. Just saying. Um, good morning. It's always a special day when there's a baptism. I've been telling Randall that I've heard the first three or the hardest three, so uh, we look forward to many more from them. Uh, If you would, turn in your Bibles this morning to Psalm chapter 33. And this morning we're going to talk about a a term, a word that I don't think we use very often outside of church. Um, It's a term that, quite frankly, I'm not very excited about. Um, It's the word praise, and I don't think we use it a whole lot outside of the walls of the church. I think a lot of people don't really know what it is, so I did what people do when they know, know what things are, and I went to Wikipedia <laughs> to find what it means to praise. This is what I found. And you know it's true, because it's Wikipedia. Praise refers to positive evaluations made by a person of another's products, performances, or attributes, where the evaluator presumes the validity of the standards on which the evaluation is based. That's pretty good. Wikipedia is definitely stepping up their game lately. Um, Praise. It's positive evaluations made by a person of another's products, performances, or attributes. Where the evaluator presumes the validity of the standards of which the evaluation is based. We get that, right? Let's go now to Psalm 33. And if you would stand with me, we'll read verses 1 through 9. You can read along silently while I read aloud. But first, let's pray. Uh, Father God, we pray that this morning that you would be glorified in everything that is said, all the words that are spoken, that your word would be proclaimed, and Father, that you would be made known. Lord, speak to us now through your word we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 33, 1-9. through nine. Shout for joy in the Lord, O you righteous. Praise befits the upright. Give thanks to the Lord with a lyre. Make melody to him with the harp of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully on the strings with loud shouts. For the word of the Lord is upright, and all his work is done in faithfulness. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the steadfast love of the Lord. By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth all their hosts. He gathers the waters of the sea as a heap. He puts the deeps in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. You may be seated. So let's start off with a basic um, premise this morning and, and it's simply this potentially controversial, it is impossible to praise God without knowing God. Okay, it is impossible to praise Him without knowing Him. Think of this in terms of us. If, if someone comes up to you or to me and they don't really know you and they praise you or give you some type of, um, I don't know, encouragement for something that you did and you have no idea who they are. Aren't you going to look at them a little skeptically? Every so often, and, and I live, I come from up north, not like Canada, but uh, Pittsburgh, and um, up there where it's cold. And every so often, my parents come down to visit, and they'll, they'll come, and they'll come to church, and they'll meet people that, um, you know, we've lived here for a while. And people will come up to them, some people I know very well, and some people I don't know very much at all. And they will tell my parents good things about me and my family. And my parents will come back to me and say, why are these people saying so many nice things about you? You know, to them, that praise is pretty much worthless. Why? Because they really know who I am. Um, same thing, if someone gives me a compliment and I, go ho- and I go home and I tell my wife, she might look at me and go, huh, um, if I tell her what they said, because she- I know she's th- what she's thinking and she's thinking, you didn't really deserve that compliment. So that's not really true praise. I can't take praise from someone that doesn't really know me. I can, I can listen to it and I can hear it, but I don't really store that up as, as something from down deep. You know, if, if my wife is complimenting me, or um, not that she would have many reasons to, but if she was saying something to me, then I would take that um, and treasure that. If I was complimenting her, hopefully she would take that and treasure that as something more valuable than something that someone who does not know her would say about her the same way with us and God can I really praise God if I don't know God you why would I even want to praise him no we're not just talking this morning about um, atheists and Muslims and Methodists okay Uh, not just those people (laughs) but I will say this this is what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 you could turn there if you'd like. Hebrews 11 verse 6 says this: "In without faith, it is impossible to believe Him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. Now why is that? Why is it impossible to please God without faith? Well, first, let's understand what faith is, and faith is going beyond simply believing. And the book of James tells us that the demons believe that Jesus is Lord, and they shudder. Okay, they don't have saving faith. Faith goes beyond belief, and it includes things like what Psalm thirty-three one said. You know, who does he command to praise God? The upright and the righteous. So only those who know God can please Him. What does it mean? To know God then. So, this be, goes beyond simple knowledge. This includes to believe that He sent Jesus Christ to the cross for my sins and to grasp, to understand that true holiness and true righteousness can only be obtained through knowing Christ. Okay, the, the, all the good little things that I do and the great little compliments that people give us for all these little things, that does not do anything to get us to Christ but to believe that Jesus Christ came for our sins and that we obtain our status with God on his behalf. That's what it means to have faith. And if I believe these things, my instinct, my nature will want to praise God. It's, it's something that overflows. It's not something that too often I'm going to need to be commanded to do. And the more I know God, the closer I get to God, the more I'm going to want to praise him, the more likely I'll be even to share my faith. And there's statistics that have come out um, that says exactly this. There's researchers that, um, it's, it's a common thought now that, that only people who are new Christians will share their faith, okay, that, that, that because they're, it's kind of like when you just fall in love and you're going to want to talk about it a whole lot, that people, when they just come to know Christ, that they're going to want to share their faith, they'll have more friends that are not Christians and therefore they'll have more, have more opportunities to witness. And, and that's partially true. But what has been found out is the man Ed Stetzer, he's a researcher, he says, in reality, people who have been, been a Christian longer have higher responses for sharing Christ than for newer Christians. Okay, so people that have grown closer to God are more likely to share their faith. And, and let me give you an incomplete analogy about this. And I tried to use this on the youth group last week, and um, all analogies are incomplete because at some point they fall apart. And so I'll give you this one the best I can. But our relationship with God is like any relationship. Okay, it's, it's just like at the beginning um, when you get to know somebody. And, and I always call this um, the gaga face. That you meet somebody and you have eyes for them and for them only. And you look at them and everything they do is right. Everyth- they can do no wrong. Uh, they don't have character defects, but they have quirks. Okay, there's, there's not things that are wrong with them, they're just goofy and silly and funny. And after, for a while, as we're meeting someone and getting to know somebody, everything about them is great, and everything about us is great. And after a while, that gaga phase wears off a little bit. This is why I always caution young people when they're getting into relationships, to be very careful about who you are getting into a relationship with, because after a while, those quirks turn into character defects. Nobody here knows what I'm talking about, of course. Um, You know, those little things become big flaws, and the little things that made us laugh are now things that make us pull our hair out. Okay? And so we have to, at some point, get, when we get beyond that initial romance, that's the point where we can really actually start to love someone. Okay? Here's some information I found from, there's a website called All Pro Dads. And it encourages um, you know, men to be good fathers and good husbands, and it talks about um, marriage. Okay? And it talks about the, the two times that are most likely for a marriage to face divorce. And the first time is within um, around year four or five of marriage, because ex- of exactly what we're talking about. That, that initial phase sort of wears off. It loses its luster. Okay, things start to become problems. Usually, maybe there's a couple kids around. Some little ones at home just add stress. And if you don't think little kids add stress, you can take ours for the weekend. Um, (laughs) Please. And this is when delusionment sets in. You know, your spouse isn't who you thought you would be, and you don't quite live up to what they thought you would be. And they said the other peak is right after the last child leaves home. And the reasoning behind this is that because so many marriages become so focused on the children and uh, family identities become focused on the kids that when the kids leave, the spouses look at each other and really don't know who they are anymore. However, you know, according to this um, Dr. Gary Thomas, who he's wrote about the five love languages, He says the highest level of marital satisfaction, does anybody know what this is? It's after 25 years of marriage. Okay, it's higher even than the honeymoon phase, and it's simply because of this. They've been through the battles, they've survived, and they've learned how to thrive. They have more realistic expectations, they're less selfish, and they're more mature. Okay, think think of your relationship with God In this way, and and this is where the analogy falls apart a little bit. um, That my relationship with God is where something that is worth my working towards. You know, it's not like I'm sitting back and waiting for God to do something for me. God's already done everything for me, but I need to continue to work towards Him. Okay, we're not talking about salvation. We're not talking about earning your way to Jesus. We're talking about growing closer. God, And if you want to have joy in praising the Lord, you have to be able to work at your relationship with him. You see, the more that I'm in a relationship with God, the closer I grow to him, the more I understand the cross, the more his sacrifice means for me, the more I read these words and they enliven my heart. And yet so often we can become Christians or we get stuck in these relationships with God that there's no growth. Because we stop working towards it. Just like the marriage that falls apart. When the two couples aren't working together. Our relationship with the Lord can fall apart. If we ignore it. And it's not because of his fault. It's because of us. So turn back to Psalm 33. It says to shout for joy. In. The Lord. In the Lord. And, and note. This is talking about rejoicing in God here's a great quote from uh, Charles Spurgeon he says to rejoice in temporal comforts is dangerous to rejoice in self is foolish to rejoice in sin is fatal but to rejoice in God is heavenly so to rejoice in anything but God is dangerous it's foolish and it's fatal if I rejoice in something that is only temporary, what happens when that thing is taken away from me? If I'm praising God because of my promotion or my raise, not that I've received those things, um, <laughs> or if I'm praising him because of some great, great grade I made on a test or because of how, how awesome something went today, what happens tomorrow when those things don't happen? You know, when I, let, when I get let go or when I don't make a good grade or when something bad happens to me. It's dangerous to rejoice in the temporal things. And we can easily fall into idol worship instead of worshiping the one who created and caused these things to happen to worship the events themselves. Will I be rejoicing when the next piece of news isn't so uplifting? If I'm rejoicing in myself and my own great accomplishments, well, I think we've seen enough to over and over and over again how fallible man is and how great men and women have fallen. From rejoicing in sin or something that's the result of sin, that I'm actually headed the opposite direction of where I think I'm going. So the command is for those who are in him to rejoice in him. It says, give thanks to the Lord with the lyre. Make melody to him with the harp of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully on the strings with loud shouts. You know, what's being said here? Can I only praise God if I am a skilled musician? I love this quote. It says praise is not comely that unpardoned profession, from unpardoned professional singers. It is like a jewel of gold in a swine's snout. Crooked hearts make crooked music, but the upright are the Lord's delight. It's not about the skill of this one that is offering the praise. It's all about the heart and God deserves more than our half-hearted worship. You know, if I am a musician, however, it is my responsibility to hone my craft and perfect my skills so that I can use those things to the glory of God. But if I can't carry a tune in a bucket and people run when they hear me singing, it's still my responsibility to sing. Now, a lot of people can think, think that they can't sing, but let me ask you this question. Have you ever met a four-year-old who says they can't sing? No. No. It's, it's rare to meet a four-year-old that says they can't do anything, actually. Um, but even if I don't have the talent, I can still make a joyful noise to God. Does it take a lot of talent to shout to the Lord? No, that's shouting. Anybody can shout. But my attitude in worship, you see, it's an indicator of the health of my spiritual life. This is not a be-all, end-all, but, but we should really watch out if we notice that we're becoming callous to taking part in worship. You know, if I'm callous or I'm bitter, I'm walking into the sanctuary and I really don't feel like being there. I have no idea why I'm there. Um, I'm, I'm really upset from the moment I walk in and I'm ultra-critical and I'm describing myself a lot of times. I think sometimes it might be helpful just to walk out. You know, Sometimes some of us may need to physically get up and leave the room in order to address what is going on in our hearts. Because if I'm coming and my heart is not ready to worship and I am not prepared to praise God, what am I here for? If I've been neglecting my relationship with him all week or all month or all year and I expect to walk, walk into a room and sit down and to praise God, that's not going to be acceptable worship and it's not going to make me feel good. I'm going to be saying things that are untrue. I'm going to be singing things that are untrue. Sometimes I need to get up and leave, or I need to dress my heart. What am I here to do? Am I here for me, or am I here for him? And if I need to work at my relationship with God, though, I am in the right place. We do actually need to work at it. If we look at Psalm 33, this is talking about, you know, what is praise? Who should praise? And now, why we should praise. Let's look at these verse, verses four through nine. For the work of the Lord is upright, and all his work is done in faithfulness. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the steadfast love of the Lord. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth, all their hosts. He gathers the waters of the sea as a heap, he puts the deeps in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of Him. For He spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. Now read these again. How great is God. This is the reason why we should praise Him. He spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. One day the entire world will stop and stand in awe of God. This is the God that we get to praise all the time if we know Him. We find out from here that the words and the actions of God, they're, they're two things that we can't separate. And John 1.1 1, 1 says, The beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him and without Him nothing was made that has been made. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, by the breath of his mouth, all their hosts. Now we're not going to get into a creation evolution debate here, but know this, that God, we worship him as the creator of all things. That he took something without form and he gave it form. That he took nothing and he made it something. That's not something that we have the ability to do at all. And that's part of why we worship. We don't worship God for the great things that he gives us, but for his attributes, the things that he has that we don't. For his innate goodness, for his righteousness, that the earth is full of the steadfast love of the Lord. See, so we have this great and awesome God who holds all things together and he desires the praises of his people, of those whom he has rescued and redeemed. And he longs to hear the shouts of our voices. We pray that nothing would hold us back, that nothing would distract us, that nothing would stifle our attempts to sing and to shout and play the praises of God, that a new song would rise in our hearts, a new just meaning that we are aware of the great and wonderful things that God does for us each and every day, that we might never go through the motions with the God who's our creator and sustainer of everything that is and was and is to come. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I know often I need to check my heart, that I need to ask why I'm here. Lord, I need to be reminded of the great love that you have, and Lord, how awesome you are. Father, so many of us, I fear, are guilty of neglecting this amazing relationship that you offer us, Lord, that we don't work at it, we just want it for the benefits that you it can give to us, and we don't really want it for you. And Lord, I ask that you would convict us. Lord, that you would open our hearts and our eyes to the things and the ways, the behaviors that we have. Lord, that we might be able to praise you with a full heart. That we might be able to know the love that you have for us. God, that we, this is something that we would be willing to work for because of what you have done for us. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.